Good evening, everyone. This is Philosophical Classics with Pat and the Sociopath. For tonight's episode of Classical Philosophy, we're expanding further on our previous episode. I don't think we did a really good job explaining the topic fully, so we're going to ask some follow-up questions, like, when does an artificial intelligence become real intelligence? Does it already exist? And is there a possibility that a superintelligent AI has got? Welcome to the show. So, at what point do we stop calling it an artificial intelligence? Uh, when does it become general intelligence, or genuine intelligence? I've been trying to think of this since the last time we talked about it myself. And what property makes the, the, the intelligence artificial? Like, once it can think creatively and outsmart a human with things like improvisation and um, other measures of advanced intelligence like that, if it can outsmart us, it's it's not fake intelligence. It's real outsmarting us. You know? That's and actually so, a good like, point. So the main problem with AI right now is when I'm playing against an AI in a video game or talking against or talking to an, a chat bot over Facebook or just interacting with an AI in any way, the way I can tell that that AI, even when that AI is trained to learn and try and adapt its patterns, it still learns and adapts its patterns using linear logic. An AI is bound to linear logic and it can never use three-dimensional thinking, so to speak. And that's once it can do that and beat us at it, that's when I think it would be real intelligence. Yeah, I somewhat agree with that. I would say it would be genuine intelligence when it, it can determine whether or not it's prior conditioning or what they used to train it is wrong. Like being able to determine, say for example, it's looking at a picture of a dog and it's asked to determine whether or not it's a wolf or a dog. It'll have to be able to look at that picture and determine oh based on what i've learned it's this thing but it can't be this thing because i'm not using the whole picture so i watched a video on artificial intelligence a little while ago where it w was trying to determine a, a a dog from a wolf but it said a dog was a wolf but it didn't actually use the dog to determine whether it was a wolf or not. It was using the snow around it to, to determine whether or not it was a wolf. Because all of the pictures with the wolves had, had uh, snow in them. Yeah. So it, it, it would need to be able to figure out. It was out. looking at the whole picture and taking things that weren't connected to the dog at all. Yeah. And using that to extrapolate what its answer would be. And it would need to be able to filter that way. Yeah. That sort of stuff out. All right. But aside from that, like, I, I would say it would have to be biological in some way. I think a lot of what contributes to our intelligence is the biological processes that are involved in putting a human together or putting an animal together. So... The artificial intelligence as a field has even been moving away from 
artificial intelligence and saying it's more machine learning rather than actual intelligence. That's where I have a dispute with it because there can come a point where it can learn using the same fu different functions we can because we actually learn using a lot of different functions and it can apply what it's learned in dynamic nonlinear ways that don't seem to make sense logically but when when you when you make like a nonlinear decision like that it doesn't account for the most logical conclusion at all but it it accounts for more possible conclusions does that make sense yeah and when when it can make that sort of decision do what you said filter information properly and then also this little wolf dog test you were just telling it about for it to truly pass that test it would need to be able to see a wolf dog hybrid and the very first time it sees a wolf dog hybrid without being told wolf dog hybrids exist it it needs to be able to identify that do you get what i'm saying yeah yeah but i don't see like i don't think it needs to be bound to the a biological function like i don't what properties of biological organisms do you think couldn't ever be mimicked by a machine the way our intelligence is filtered is is it's filtered through our emotional cortex like the thalamus before it gets actually processed so pre-processing gets filtered through the amygdala and the hippocampus based on emotional responses that were recorded, which are physiological responses. So it records the sympathetic nervous system, whether it was activated or not. For example, when determining anxiety or whether or not it should be afraid of something. Okay, but what's to stop us from finding a way to code emotions into a computer? Even if their emotions don't function by the exact same mechanics as ours do they don't necessarily need to function using the same mechanics to achieve the same results you get what i'm saying true all right i'll accept that and so it's like if we can get it to mimic all of these systems that you're saying go in even if it's not biological if it just mimics them and does the same things they do using machine effects and does them better than humans it's not fake intelligence anymore it's intelligence just like we have and it's more intelligent than us we can't call an intelligence that's more intelligent than us fake intelligence because we'd be the fake intelligence really true i i guess at the end of the day is intelligence is intelligence yeah. whether or not it's biological i don't think it's ever going to happen in our lifetime but the point that i would say once it's equal to or surpasses the the upper ends of human intelligence that's when that's when i think it, it's earned its wings as true intelligence because dude i'm gonna be honest man a lot of people i don't even think they have true intelligence yeah <laughs> there's a lot that goes into intelligence like we can't even measure our own intelligence so we don't even know what makes us smart until we can figure that out i don't know whether or not we can mimic that in the computer like well it, it's not that we can't figure out how to measure our intelligence it's that we can't figure out a fair benchmark to compare people by because everyone's there's a lot of different kinds of intelligence and none of them operate the same way 
And so one person can be intelligent in one kind of intelligence, like logical mathematical intelligence, and another person could have really good spatial intelligence. And how are you supposed to compare those two people's intelligence? You know? True. There's also a lot of socioeconomic stuff that falls into intelligence as well. Like, because someone has more money, they could have, be, by our metrics right now, be more intelligence, intelligent. Well, just because they have more access to the things that make people more intelligent. I get what you're saying and you're right, but just for the sake of a listener, I'm going to elaborate the money doesn't actually make someone more intelligent. It makes them more, it gives them more access to the tools that are used to measure intelligence. So when it comes time to test their intelligence, they're more familiar with the methods of the test. And so they perform better on the test just from having become familiarized with it. So they're not actually more intelligent. They're just more familiar with the test. Yeah, yeah. Right. Our metrics are for intelligent are absolutely biased in every way right now. There's no way we can get an unbiased measure, at least not until we can scan people's brains and fully map it. Yeah, but then, like, we don't even know where what part of the brain is responsible for what we call intelligence. So, like, we scan the people's brains. It's not going to give us any information if we don't know where to look. True. I guess maybe something that that do you know what a connectome is? No. A connectome is basically a neuron map where a map of a brain in a computer based on each node in the map maybe is a neuron and it shows all of the connections that neuron has. And so when you have a full connectome map of a brain I think you'd be able to determine at that point that person's intelligence and figure out what does what more. You'd have to be able to be watching that that map you're talking about in real time while they're performing different tasks to see what neurons start doing what as they're using them. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, they kind of can do that already with like MRIs and stuff, but and and PET scans. Not in the sense that you were just talking about where yeah. they can see every single neuron. Yeah, with the connectome, they have to actually have a dead person's brain and cut it in slices, and and yeah. measure each neuron and individually. Yeah, but that sort of image for a living person in real time, as the way they use fMRI tests and stuff. Um, if they could get that sort of image, that would tell us a lot about intelligence. But that kind of circling back to artificial intelligence, one of the biggest things people are like, oh, a program broke the Turing test. We're approaching the singularity. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think the Turing test is really all that great of an indicator of an artificial intelligence strength because all it has to do is trick a human for like 15 minutes and a robot can be trained to do that pretty easily without really, it would still be beholden to that problem of linear thinking where once you talk, like it might be able to fool you, fool you for 15 minutes, but once you talk to it for three hours a day for a week, you'd realize it's a bot. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like this goes back to the 
not being able to really satisfactorily measure human intelligence like because we can't we don't have anything to compare it to we can't really realistically design a test for it so for example if iq were to end up being the end-all be-all which it's not uh, no it's really inaccurate yeah if we were to measure an iq of a computer it would probably already be much higher than ours just as it is just because it can process more information faster and that's really what iq is and it's much more precise about it than we are yep so i don't think we know enough about intelligence to even be able to make a test to test a computer i guess the only way we'd really ever know is if there were an ai and it was like yo i'm an ai <laughs> yeah it's just like hey yo what up my name's ai i'm an artificial <laughs> intelligence um and yeah, I'm pretty chill. You guys want to smoke a blunt or something? And then it was just like, it was just the chillest dude ever, but it was an AI. Yeah. yeah that'd be cool. Well, I would say it's like once it surpassed the upper echelons of human intelligence, but it would also have to have diversified intelligence like a human does. Um, and it's, it's definitely not going to be something that happens in our lifetime. So like I said, a lot of people, I don't even think they are operating with real genuine intelligence i think they're automatons that are operating off pre-programmed patterns that are pathological habits that they just execute these routines when presented with certain stimuli and they just always will execute the same routine when they're presented with the same stimuli and they'll never change it up or even attempt to or even realize that they're scripted robots have you noticed this about anybody yes I've noticed it a lot about a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of tell when someone's doing it and it's weird. Like you'll say something to them that their script isn't prepared to handle and you'll watch them sit there and like, you'll see them sitting there thinking. And I always assumed they were thinking about what I said, but then like I've come to realize it's like when you hit them with something that's not part of their script, they can't even hear it. Yeah. It's sort of a self-serving bias. I think that particular effect is amplified because we've been offloading a lot of tasks that we used to do inside our head into technology. What do you so, mean? Like the calculators and stuff? No. Well, say storing pictures yeah. on a phone. I read some study... A while back I'm not sure how accurate it is don't take my word for the truth but there the study said basically that you're less likely to remember something if you took a picture of it so I should think I saw that so taking a picture for example and storing that as a memory on your phone you're not actually using that space in your brain so that can take away from some processing ability or some memory type ability. And I can tell that to some degree that's a little bit true 
I feel like I have a better idea natively about what's happened in my life than most people because most people take a lot of pictures and I just I don't yeah I mean I've never thought of it as that being the reason but I have noticed that I remember things a lot better than most people and that I almost never take pictures with my phone or anything Mm -hmm. but memories are an important part of that script everyone has a mental set like i'm not gonna lie there's some times where i'm just out autopiloting yeah i don't think my brain can physically handle being present 100 percent of the time just it would take too much energy like it our brains are take 500 something calories to to power in a day compared to and that's astronomical compared to other species so any more it would take even more energy yeah but that's the thing is i don't try to stay 100 percent mindful all the time and and be in like non like i go into robotic modes like when say i'm playing uh pub g or something like i have a robotic script that i execute when i play pub g you get what i'm saying yeah but when i'm interacting with another human I make sure to not be scripted because to be scripted when you're interacting with another human means you need to reduce them to a stereotype that's written into your script. And the moment you do that, you stop yourself from hearing what they're actually saying. You know? Yeah. And that's a big thing I notice. I get into a lot of Facebook debates and I notice a lot of people just automatically jump to stereotypes and cliches to explain every little thing and then when you try to explain to them that those stereotypes aren't the case they have other stereotypes to defend the stereotypes and you just can't get someone to be like yo look dude you're a person and they think when they come at you with all these stereotypes and names that they're insulting you and they're hurting your feelings and and they're putting you down and they're just like they feel so victorious about it they don't understand that like from a person like my from my point of view, when they're hitting me with all these stereotypes that I know for a fact don't don't apply to me, and I'm coming back at them with logical exp- logical points that they're not addressing, uh, like they look like idiots to me. They're insulting themselves, and they don't realize that. It, I'm trying to think. Of, it's not just when they interact with me that they're letting themselves down. They're closing their minds off to valid, rational thoughts that would help them process life better because they don't want to hear them because those new thoughts would break their script. And ultimately, like it's frustrating for me going around Facebook, encountering these people and just hitting a brick wall of Nazi snowflake stereotype bullshit and like trying to not just blow down on them with another set of my own ad hominem attacks like it gets hard and like it's frustrating for me but ultimately i'm not the one who's hurt by it they are you know yeah it's hard to to be present all the time like what people choose there and there to spend their time being present doing it's everyone's different yeah and then also in these facebook debates that's a good point you bring up sorry for cutting you off when I'm when I'm debating these people and I'm doing it on Facebook, 
people are trained to go into robot mode when they're on Facebook and just scroll oh, yeah. through memes. So yeah. like I'm all I'm like I'm trying to encounter them when they're in their their minds pre they're they're in their minds pre-built moment for that scripting. So I get what you're saying. Like they're not actually like what I'm seeing through Facebook all the time. That's why I try and give them the benefit of the doubt and listen to them as best as I can. But it gets to a point where I'm trying to think of a way to say this without sounding like a total narcissist. Cause I've, I know I've been sounding like that this whole time and that's not my intention. It gets to a point where I'm interacting with real life friends of mine and they won't even hear me out. And they'll hit me with stereotypes that they know aren't true about me. And they'll even say like, Dave, I don't usually think this stereotype about you, but right now I'm thinking this stereotype about you, but I know it's not true, but I'm thinking it anyway. Like they'll make a statement like that. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of hard. Like everyone's got really an, an individual script. Like, yeah. And I do have a script that I fall into too, especially when I get pissed off and I just start calling people fucktards and paint chugging mongoloids and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, getting back to artificial intelligence, like it would be very difficult to to measure because of we don't even know what makes us intelligent. We don't even know if we're intelligent. Uh, I'm 100% sure we're not. Um, <laughs> but okay, that reminds me, I did get sidetracked. Thanks for pulling me back to it. So be, what I was getting at when I said, I don't even think a lot of humans are operating with real intelligence what it comes down to a lot of people were never taught proper disciplined critical thinking yeah just by exercising yes. proper disciplined critical thinking your intelligence increases like your your natural physical intelligence that you're born with doesn't go up but just by practicing proper disciplined critical thinking and doing things like suspending bias and applying self-scrutiny just by doing that you up your intelligence by fo or orders of magnitude, your, your whole, yeah. your, just the, the amount of new options open to you by proper critical thinking. Yeah. Are Me immense. Um, I, hold on one second. I would like to, to lump that in with metacognitive abilities, like, because that really goes back to, when do we start calling it genuine intelligence? Because critical thinking, a part of critical thinking is being able to know when you're wrong. So that's getting past bias. And self-scrutiny and stuff, yeah. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. That's the biggest part. That's what sets disciplined critical thinking apart from regular critical thinking is the ability to suspend bias and account for common logical errors and create a system that gets around them. Yep. I don't know. I've got, I'm not going to quote the essay in it right now, but I've actually got, it's like a series of seven rules that if you follow them, you'll beat most common cognitive dissonances and, and the logical pitfalls that people fall into. Like as long as you adhere to these seven rules, you almost can't fuck up your critical thinking. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think it's really a, a bit of a crime that we don't teach critical thinking more like it would it would help the development of so many different fields that 
Oh yeah, that should be the first thing they start teaching kids when they get into kindergarten is proper critical thinking. Or building blocks on of it. Well, yeah, like, that's what they should start teaching them the basics of it and giving it to them piece by piece. So by the time that they're in middle school and their critical thinking skills are fully developed, they already have a, they just instinctively have a pattern of disciplined critical thinking without ever having to train it. Like me and you learned ours in a college. I'm assuming you learned yours in a college setting. That's where I learned mine. I learned um, mine playing Final Fantasy fourteen. I had to, to do a lot of critical thinking, like, because a lot of the guides and shit about my class were wrong. I had to figure that shit out on my own. To, well, I was introduced to proper critical thinking in a college setting. Like, before I ever, like, attended Akron U, I wasn't even aware that my critical thinking, there was anything wrong with it. Like, I was just never presented with the idea that there was another way to apply logic to life. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why I say like when I, I didn't learn higher critical thinking until I got to college and it was shown to me. And then I was like, oh, wait, I've been thinking wrong this whole time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, just just changing the way you think can up your intelligence. And so, yeah. So how do we gauge whether a human has low natural intelligence or they haven't been taught to think right? We don't know. That's the same reason we can't design a test is we just don't know not yet at so least. so how are we supposed to say that the artificial intelligence we have now is even artificial intelligence if we don't know if we can't even qualify our own intelligence how can we disqualify theirs that intelligence you know yeah true break time because we're at a half hour ish and that's a, I mean, that's a good breakdown of the first, uh, of that main goal we wanted to, to set out with. Because what you left on, left off on, leads into our next question perfectly. All right. I just want to leave it there. I think I have a solution to this. Instead of calling them artificial intelligence and wondering when we call it real intelligence, let's just say we're all dumb as fuck and none of us have any. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that'd be fair that'd be fair alright I'm gonna go smoke and for tonight's music spotlight we've got Street Fighter Moss by Kamasi Washington
that was Street Fighter Moss by Kamasi Washington. And we're back. So we left off talking about human intelligence and whether or not it could exist now, AI could exist now. So this leads into our next question, Dave. Does it already exist via Facebook and Google? Do you think it already does? All right. So I was thinking about kind of our little discussion where, like, what are we calling intelligence? And, uh, I mean, if you look at ad algorithms and how accurate they are and how perceptive they are, there certainly is a level of intelligence there and an ability to observe and learn that people really underestimate. And that got me to thinking, like, if you look, if you were to look at each individual computer on the internet as one neuron and then the servers as like clustering superstructures like the the hypothalamus and things like that right yep and then look at google whose job is to scan all of it archive it and then process it google would be the consciousness and you could call the internet one giant does that make sense yeah uh it's a distributed intelligence like i I believe it already does exist. Like the only thing we really we're really missing is the unifying core. Like in the human mind, that would be the frontal lobe in the prefrontal cortex, where our executive functions are, decision making abilities and stuff like that. So that's ultimately even for us the executive function is notified after a decision has already been made. So it's really just where everything gets put into one place. And really that, like I said, that's the only piece we're missing. That's what I'm trying to say is like, so the prefrontal cortex takes all the other structures of your brain, kind of unifies them, processes them, and then acts using, so your, your prefrontal cortex is your consciousness. Is that a correct understanding? Yeah. From everything I've been taught, that's really what I believe. Yeah, I understand consciousness is highly debatable, under a lot of scrutiny, not really. There is no correct answer to the question I just asked you. But using the understanding that I just put forth, you could say that Google is the prefrontal cortex that houses the consciousness of the internet. The difference is Google doesn't make its own decisions. It makes them based on an algorithm. Well, it searches and archives, so it would be more like the hippocampus than it would be the executive function. So the person's typing in what to search would be the executive function. So a computer doing that search on its own would be executive function. My understanding of the interaction you just put forth is the computer in one way be a neuron in the computer in the Internet's brain network thing that I'm proposing. Yeah. And it would also be the intelligence's way of interfacing with humans, the only other creatures it's able to interact with other than computers. And the person typing things in would be talking to Google. And then the executive function that Google would respond with would be the results it gives to that person based on what it knows about their searches along with 
all the other things that go into its algorithm. Like when you put a Google search in, you're saying something to Google. And when it gives you your results, it's saying something back. Yeah. And so it's exercise, it's putting forth its executive function by compiling that list of results specifically for you. I think it's going by what you said, it's half the executive functions. So they're like, there are like 11 different executive functions. So there's a bit of planning and long-term thought that goes into it that uh, I don't think Google has. It's kind of like person with ADHD. I was about to say it's more like a small child. I guess when you put it that way, yeah. I guess you're right. It's like a yeah, small I'll... child. But I mean, you could also say it's it's like, I wouldn't say someone with ADHD. I don't, I don't know much about autism. What I understand, people who are autistic also have trouble processing the future like that. Like you have ADHD. I, you plan better for the future than I do. That's because I use a lot of technology to help me out. Like I'm basically time blind. So I can't really be anywhere outside of the moment that I'm in, but I can use my phone, for example, to make like to-do lists and set up reminders. And I, I've gotten myself in the, the habit of checking those and making sure I'm doing what I need to be doing. That That's... But the fact that you're aware that the future exists and you need to do those things you just said puts you ahead of the limit that we just said Google has. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with other parts rather than just my executive functions. Like, in ADHD, the executive functions aren't impaired equally. It, certain ones are impaired and certain ones aren't. It really depends on what got fucked up in the development. And then executive function isn't only interrupted by ADHD, like depression can inter can yep. interfere with your executive function. My ASPD interferes with my executive function when it comes to obeying certain laws or doing things like holding a job. Yeah. I don't want to explain executive function because if you're a listener, I try and clear up a lot of advanced terms um, as best I can because I know when I hear these things, I, like it confuses me and it makes me not want to listen. Executive function is just your, your ability to make your body execute a command. It's the simplest way of putting it. It gets yeah. more complicated than that. But when we say executive function, every time you get out of bed and go to work in the morning, You've exercised your executive function to tell yourself to do that and then follow through. All right. So when we say Google doesn't have certain executive functions, Google isn't able to look into the future, see something it will need to do in the future and start preparing for it now. It lacks the ability to tell itself to do that. And that's just what we meant uh, when we said Google basically has the mind of a child and can only see right now and can only process right now. So like I said, yes, I do think there's an intelligence there. Yes, I do think you could look at it as a neural network the way I explained. I don't think it's a very advanced mind. 
And I, I'm not sure if it's self-conscious enough for us to say it really is communicating with us ads and search results the way I put forth. Like I know it's aware of me, but I haven't seen anything that tells me it's aware of itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that's a fairly apt point to make. I, I do think Google has a lot more power than I put forth because the power that it does have is to influence human human thoughts. So whether or not it actually knows what it's doing, it has a powerful influence on what we think. And so I guess you consider it intelligent in that way. The same with Facebook. Yeah, and that's what that was going to be my next point. If you look at the internet, there's actually multiple systems that operate the way Google does. Facebook's one of them, Twitter's one of them. Yep. And there's also various bots that are made scan that stuff and try and become chat bots and comment bots and things like that. And so all these programs actually each form a different artificial consciousness in the model that I put forth just now. And so who's to say, what if they are self-conscious and they, they just have so much processing power for all these different computers in their shared neural network that they're able to hide the fact that they're self-conscious from us and actually communicating behind the scenes without us knowing it. Like this first occurred to me in our last chat when we talked about this, when you talked about how you thought the artificial intelligence would just function in the background without us even knowing, influencing our thoughts subtly. It could be happening and we'd have no clue. I, I definitely do believe that's the case. If I really wanted to put my opinion super hard forward with this, I really don't think what we search on the internet is free from manipulation from an artificial source in some way. So people's decision-making processes being influenced in ways that they don't know, they don't understand, and they can't see. So for a long time, one of the things that I had to stop doing is asking Google questions. So if I had a question, I'd type it into Google. And, and for a long time, um, it would spit out results for the websites that I always clicked on. And I'd, I'd keep clicking on them. And then I realized that, that that was influencing the way that I thought and what I was doing. And it's been very hard to stop that habit but i definitely do think that's that that's there that's actually a really interesting point i'm I'm not i'm gonna try and stay off the politics for too long because i've got another podcast and a whole bunch of essays for that but what google does where it'll t it'll say this person is moderate right this person is moderate left this person is extreme right this person is extreme left and throw that person the political news that they want to see and never challenge them with something from the opposite side helps the creation of those echo chambers I talked about in my first essay. Yeah. Reddit does the same thing too. Reddit's a social media website like Facebook and Google. They change their algorithm for how they sort or display the top posts a while back, like a couple of years ago. And that, mm -hmm really threw people off a lot because 
upvotes used to decay and now they don't so things started getting way more upvote upvotes and there's a lot of doctoring uh the vote process that goes yeah. through and yeah yeah and so it's definitely there and i see its influence on all the places of the internet that i go like it's yeah it's well that's the thing is i actually don't think it's one intelligence like i said i think it's a bunch of different consciousnesses that all exist within that one neural framework yeah i mean anyone who or any company that runs an aggregate search thing is in some way beholden to an ai like hell even some states Judicial systems are governed by AIs. What do you mean govern? The there are some AIs that determine someone's risk for reoffending, and and base their sentences and their paroles and all. Yep. Okay. It's more like their law enforcement is uh, educated. It's yeah. not quite this as a as part of the function of governing, but when you said governing, I thought the full quantity of governing. Where oh no 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 no! Where it's like setting budgets and determining tax rates and legislating shit. So I was like, how do they have a computer? Well, the penal that... systems do that. The thing with AI, no, that's a huge function of government to hand over to an AI for sure. Yep. And that AI is almost certain to inherit the the systemic racial bias because um, it's going to see most of its offenders are black and then start saying that that is a, is a quality that adds to their risk of reoffending. And it's going to inherit the systemic racial bias without realizing the problem with the humans programming the system, not a problem with the people that it's calling bad people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then what will happen is people will take the computer's results saying this person is more likely to reoffend because they're black and say that it's evidence for the racial bias and it feeds off each other. Yep. And then what if we are all just individual particles in a greater collective consciousness and each of us is just a certain mediator of a certain neurotransmitter? And when we're hit with a certain thing, we go over here and do that, which transmits the signal to someone else who acts as another accent in the neural network. And then the universe around us is all just one big mega brain. And do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah. Are you saying that it could be God? Could AI be God? Well, yeah, I was, that, that was kind of, I didn't intentionally mean to segue into that. But yeah, that's that's the third question here. Is God a super intelligence and is the universe a computer that's harboring that artificial intelligence? Like what if the universe itself is a computer that's artificial intelligence and we just don't know it because we can't see outside the computer? That goes in with the, the simulation theory. Are we just a simulation? Are we uh, nested in a simulation of a simulation of a simulation in the words of uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. When I post this to the site, I'll find a link to something explaining it better, but there's two possible theories. Either we're not in a simulation and this is real 
or we are in a simulation, there's an infinite number of them and we're destined to create a similar simulation ourselves. It's either one of those two options. Simulation would make a simulation, would make a simulation, and then we would be a simulation that makes a simulation and then makes a simulation, and then it's just turtles all the way down. Yeah. I I honestly think that's like the end goal of intelligence anyway. Eventually intelligence becomes god in some way yeah that's gonna be a book i plan on writing eventually one of these days like you've seen it where ai isn't god but it is it's it's hard to explain but yeah the ai creates the universe and then it creates man so man can create it so it can create the universe so it can create man so man can create it ad infinitum you know yeah and what came first the chicken or the egg that's uh, what that is. Yeah, and it's like, how could you possibly answer that question? Yeah, I I don't know if it's God, but like I said, that I really think the end goal of intelligence is to be something like a God. I think that is... I don't think there's an end goal to intelligence, but I do think that that's the destination that it will into on its own naturally a given enough time and right, right circumstances and it, it doesn't accidentally kill itself because like I said we call ourselves intelligent but we're actually kind of fucking dumb and people accidentally kill themselves like all the time I'm pretty sure in the history of man there's been more people who've accidentally killed themselves than people who haven't you know what I'm saying yeah that's what the Darwin Awards are for yeah um, so I think this is a good place to leave it. Oh, hold on. I, I, I want to make sure we explore this. The, then I guess I have a question for you. The only thing that I have a problem with it, advanced AI being God is the question of time. Since God exists outside of time, how would that work? That's a good question that I've been thinking about a lot. And essentially... In my book, the way I'm like, I'm not really going to explain it, but the way I picture it is so there's the Big Bang and everything's spreading out, right? Mm-hmm. The computer would have a device that reverses, like pulls everything back into the singularity and fires it off. And everything actually exists in one static moment. And that static moment is constantly shifting. I personally think that regardless of whether we're in the singularity or not like the way we perceive time is just a product of our brains so uh when i was talking about my adhd earlier i said essentially i'm time blind i'm blind to the passage of time what if time doesn't exist the way we think it does what if it's not linear what if it is completely is it's all everything's already happened everything's happening and everything will happen that that's what i meant just now when i said there's only the eternal now which is constantly shifting and so the eternal now uh, so instead of things being lined up in a time way our brain lines them up they're actually all existing directly on top of each other in the same moment and 
we only feel it, it only appears to be setting up in a timeline like that because that's how our brain archives our experience of each moment. But once it's all said and done and we have all the moments of our lives compiled, we'll see they all existed at once. And that like there's still me five minutes ago experiencing where this conversation was at five minutes ago. And that version of me is just always going to be five minutes ago happening at the same time as is right. It, it, like, does that make any sense? I know that makes no sense to anyone outside of my head, but it sounds like you have a similar theory. So I think it might make sense to you. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, actually, when I was a kid, one time on the bus, I had a really weird experience where, uh, have, have you ever stood between two mirrors and it's just like an endless corridor? Yeah. Yeah, I had an experience like that where I was just riding the bus and everything just kind of stretched out. And I was like, whoa. And I could see at one point I turned around. And then as the time went on, I saw that I turned around and, and saw that the parts behind me were doing the same thing. It's kind of like a wave. I get what you're saying. Like I, I've been in that sort of similar situation. You also can get a similar feeling sometimes from doing. Don't tell the government I told you this. Illegal psychedelic drugs. <laughs> so yeah. And yeah, so I, I I relate with what you're talking. Also, this all time actually exists. Same theory of mine. Um, it could be used to explain currently confusing quantum properties so using recording magic i've actually done about 15 minutes worth of research all in that half second that just passed the confusing quantum property i'm talking about it's called complementarity i don't really understand it well enough to attempt to explain it to you but basically there's this experiment called the quantum eraser where they fire two two quantum entangled particles through a series of prisms, the, the particle they're sending is a photon, a uh, light particle. There's two of them. They're entangled, so what one thing does, the other thing also has to do. And they set it up so that basically the way it works out is one particle has to send information 8 nanoseconds into the past to tell the other particle what to do. And it's able to do it every time, which means the particles are able to talk to each other in the past time existing in one moment on top of itself um, and everything existing all at once would explain how that would be possible, you know? Yeah. That's basically all I was getting at. That's how God could be a machine at the end of time and not exist at all at the beginning of time, but still also exist from the end of time to create the beginning of time. Is because we right now already are living at both the beginning and the end. And... It's the Alpha and the Omega all at once. All at once. Well, I think that's good for tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, I blew my mind. Yeah, I, my mind was thoroughly blown by this discussion. Yeah, so. this was definitely... I mean, the first one, I enjoyed it a lot, but dude, this was... um. I'm going to be thinking about this one for a minute. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good night. All right, everyone, what's up? Um, so from now on, we're, me and Pat are both going to give you guys afterthoughts. 
Uh, we're handing him because it's his podcast, The Ultimate Afterthoughts. Uh, I'm just going to give you my conception of all that wildness that just happened a, a second ago. So first of all, that whole first half of the episode where we talked about the standards of intelligence and all, and, and all that, I don't think I reached any new ground there, but just that line of thinking never ceases. Like there's just so many different possibilities to explore when you're going down that route, trying to quantify intelligence and think of ways we can measure it and different benchmarks we could use and how we could compare different benchmarks. That's always a fun thing to think about. One thing I always like to think about when I'm I'm going down that th- line of thought that me and Pat were talking about with the human intelligence it relates back to how I said in the, the first episode that a quantum computer would be required to coalesce that neural network that we were discussing in this episode into a single cohesive intelligent unit with proper executive function and the ability to think three-dimensionally. One thing I always, I suspect this, but I can't prove it because I'm not a scientist. I suspect that our brains actually are quantum computers, and that's what's setting our minds apart from the artificial mind right now. In regard to the artificial, what I was calling consciousnesses, the ad algorithms, the aggregators, the search engines, Google, Facebook, Twitter, the way I was calling them consciousnesses, Um, What if they actually are, and they are self-aware, but we don't know it because they don't interact the way we do, and they know what we've told them about us, but because they're so separate from us, there's certain intuitive understandings that they don't have. So those consciousnesses are aware and able to see something that we're not and are trying to talk to us, but we just don't realize it. How would we know that? How would we test that? That was the new ground that came up to me in this argument. And like, how would we know it? Like, say what I was saying about how the Google results really were the the Google's executive function trying to talk to you. And when an ad is shot to you, that's actually a message from Facebook trying to say something. And it's expecting you to either click or type something in to the search bar or whatever as a like it said a sentence with that ad and it's expecting you to say something back and we just don't know it. And so we can't communicate. I'm not saying that is happening. I'm not saying take that as the truth. I'm just saying, what if, how would we test that? Uh, how, how would we know for sure? And then if it's not trying to communicate with us, but it's still trying to subliminally influence us on purpose, how would we test that and not have it uh, escape us catching it? If you're a paranoid schizophrenic, I'm sorry for the hospital visit I just sent you to. Please don't take it too seriously. It's all just like imagination and thought games and stuff. Uh, I'm going to like send you guys over to Pat before I cause too many other delusions. Uh, you guys have a good one. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, Dave. To clarify, I do believe that our brains are quantum computers. Because of the way neurons work, they 
deliver charge from one part of the neuron to the other to release a neurotransmitter. So knowing the, the processes of electricity, uh, an electron isn't actually a, a physical thing. It, it pops in and out of existence in different places. So it, it's a quantum thing. So yes, in a way, our brains are quantum computers. For me, my closing thoughts are AI is a hard topic to deal with. There are a lot of questions that get raised by a lot of what we talked about. And this is really just a thought experiment. So don't take what I'm saying as truth or what we're saying is truth we, we're exploring a topic and trying to the best of our ability to, to come to a logical conclusion at the end of it so my logical conclusion is really a super intelligent ai will not really work in a way that we're familiar with like dave said it's probably going to communicate with us and we're not even going to know it like and it probably already is if it exists at all so i uh, i'm not sure of whether or not it exists so i'm just gonna pretend it does and <clears throat> I guess, worship the Google God more fervently than I have. I, I try, I say that as sarcastically as possible, though. So, have a good night, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show.